0: Well, wow. about three months, I've been bubbling away, getting some something to preach on. I didn't know when I was going to preach it, but it was sort of ready last week. Well, the first part, and I thought, well, I want to preach that now. And it's just as I'm not going to say coincidence because I don't believe in coincidences with God, because I've been getting something on Psalm 91. And everybody's been putting Psalm 91 up on, on Facebook and quoting it and, and parts of it. But I'm going to read the whole psalm. Is that okay with you? That's why I need my glasses. Psalm 91, it's the, it's the psalm of protection. It's the psalm that, that we read and, and we declare over ourselves and over others. And as I said, I've just been getting something together on this for months now. It just so happens that the first part is ready. So here it is, Psalm 91. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. He will trample upon lions and cobras. He will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love Me. I will protect those who trust in My name. Then call on Me. I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. It's a good psalm. It's one of, the, one of the great psalms. As I said, it wasn't… I hadn't prepared this in light of what's going on. I can't see you. Oh, there you are. This was something that I'd been preparing for a long time, one of the great psalms. If you look at the commentators, they're not quite sure who actually wrote this psalm. Some say it's the psalm of David, some say it's the psalm of Moses. Sa- Moses actually wrote the psalm before it, and they usually say that if there is no author of the psalm, it usually goes with the author that was before it. So it might be a psalm of Moses, and of course we know that Moses went through a lot, and they had to pray these sort of prayers constantly for protection, but I've broke this Sam down and into four areas, and I want to speak of them over the next few weeks, probably the next three weeks. Uh, the first one is the strong one, the snare, the shadow, and the secret place. Those are the four areas I want to talk about, and hopefully I can cover most of this Sam with those four titles. So, the one I want to look at this afternoon, and I may just touch on on the second point. The first one is the strong one. Now, you might wonder, what does that mean, the strong one? It's actually one of God's names. He had many names. The Hebrews give Him many names. And in Psalm 91, in the first two verses, there are at least four names of God. So the psalmist begins by acknowledging who he is. And that's what we've got to remember constantly in everything, who he is. First of all, we need to understand what a name meant in the Old Testament. It wasn't the way we name our children now. How do we do it now? I don't know. When we named our kids, we had a book. I suppose you go on the internet now, you look, oh, that's a nice name, isn't it? Oh, I like the sound of that. Or you might look at your family and go, oh, that was my mother's name or my father's name. And, oh, that that goes nicely with our surname. And and then, for me, it was what they were going to call my kids in school. Because kids always shorten names, don't they? And so I thought, well, I want a name that if it's going to be shortened, it's going to be cool. It's going to be nice. So we picked names that if they were shortened, like... Evangeline, who would be Evie, which we thought was nice, and Amelia Millie. Grace is just Grace. Nobody shortens her. They actually lengthen that to Gracie. But we were—that's that was our thinking, and, and we liked the sound of them. They were a little bit old-fashioned, but that's not the way they did it then. When they named their children then, their name became attached to their life. Their name was like a prophetic name over their characters. It was not just an identifying tag. It reflected their nature. That's what they were naming into their children as they would name them. So names to the the ancient Hebrew people were very important. So are the names of God so important to them. Because each name was given to God a different aspect of His character. God's name were, were considered as holy as he was. So these first four names are found, and these are some of the, the hierarchy of the names of God in the first two verses of this psalm. The first one was the Most High. The Hebrew for this is Eloni. Eloni, Eloni. Whatever pronunciation you want to do. It might not be the correct one. Chris will probably have the correct one. Eloni. It means the high, lofty one. The supreme one. This is why they call him the most high. In Hebrew it would be Eloni. Then there was almighty. Shaddai or El Shaddai. It means the strong one. That's where I got the title of this first part. The strong one. The mighty one. You see... They depicted who God was with these names because there were many gods, false gods, pagan gods, fallen angels who they would class as gods. So they would give the Almighty the name, the El Shaddai, the strong one, the mighty one, the most high, the supreme. He is above all other names. Then there was God, which translated as Elohim. I love that. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Elohim. Elohim. It means, it's a plural word. You will find it in Genesis when it says, let us make man, create man. It means creator, the supreme creator, the Elohim. And then, there was the fourth name that was in these two, two verses. And this is the name to cap all of the names. Whenever you see the word Lord written in capitals in your Bible, it's Yahweh. It's the Y-H-W-H. I think it's behind me. It means I am. This, was, this name was so sacred, so holy that they would never mention it, they would never speak it. It's not even known today how it was really pronounced. We tend to say, Yahweh, there's a, there's a theological word for it, the tetragrammaton, they call it, and it's, it's, it, it, people just study this. There's a whole theology behind this name. When God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, he says, I am who I am. He was speaking his name. Moses had to take his, his shoes off. It, it, he must have been shaken because God spoke his name. When God allowed himself to be paraded before Moses, he said, I will allow my goodness and I will proclaim my name before you. You see, his name was as sacred and as holy and as powerful as he is. When the high priest would enter the temple once a year to offer the atoning sacrifice at Yom Kippur, it was the only time that the name was mentioned Yahweh. It was the only time. And he would stand before the people with the sacrifice, the blood, before he entered the holiest of holy, and he would proclaim this name. And when he proclaimed the name, all the people of Israel fell on their face, prostrate, because of the holiness and the power of that name. And sometimes I think we get a little bit flippant with God, We get a little bit flippant when we approach Him in prayer and worship. If we lived at this time, when the name of God was mentioned, we'd be on the floor. They couldn't trust themselves to even speak the name in case they said it wrong, in case they blasphemed it, in case they got it wrong. See, the only reason we can even think of uttering this name right now, you may say, well, why are you saying it? The reason I'm able to even utter this name or come before him is because of Jesus. It's because of him. He is the, the force field, if you like, between us and God. He is our protection. Jesus Christ is actually our protection from God Himself, because the wrath of God destroys all sin. But Jesus Christ has come between us. He's the mediator between us. He is the covering. His blood cleanses us from all sin. He covers us. So we don't come before God in any might of our own. We come with the covering of Christ. Almighty God has given us Jesus part of himself to protect us from himself remember he said to moses yes you can see my glory i will pass before you but i will have to hide you away in the cleft of the rock in a cave because you cannot see me if you see me you will you will not live so when they uttered his name what they were actually doing was proclaiming god's character who he was Not just an identifying tag. And this is why I want to get this over right in the very beginning. This great psalm of protection started with, let's get the right thing in place first of all. Let us realize who we are speaking to here. Who our focus is. Who our God is. And it's the same for us. In whatever is happening around us, whatever protection prayers we pray, just like the the psalmist was praying this protection prayer, he's saying, let's realize who we're praying to, who we're talking to. We're talking to the Elohim. We're talking to Yahweh, the God of gods. I am the Supreme One, the Holy One. No wonder Scripture says, do not take the name of your Lord in vain. No wonder he says that. His name is the foundation of everything we do. Let's never get too familiar with him or his presence. He is the beginning of everything. He's the beginning of our days. The beginning of our life. He's the beginning of everything we do, our prayer, our worship, our vision, our focus, whatever it is, it starts with him. Who he is, how great he is. He's the forefront of our very lives there is one that can come so close to us you know they the people in this day they could not get close you know when moses was on the mountain nothing could touch the mountain otherwise it would die when the high priest went into the holy of holies with the sacrifice the people would would stay back. They couldn't go any closer. Even the priests couldn't get close. It was only the high priest. And, and he had to have a rope tied on his ankle just in case he was struck dead. That's how, that's how awesome and fearful it was to come before God Almighty. But now we can come. We can come close. Because we do not come in our name. We only come before him when we come in the name of that is above all names whose name is that it's the name of Christ Jesus Christ has been given a name above all names Philippians 2 verse 9 and 11 therefore God elevated him that's Christ to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that is the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has been given all glory. Every knee will bow before him, that name. That's how we are able to come before him. That's how we are able to just worship like we do. That's how we're able to pray like we do come into that presence like we do because of Christ and His name. It's because of Christ's name that we're able to come and speak His name, come into His presence. So the psalmist, whoever he was, whether it was Moses or David, it doesn't matter. He is setting down a precedent by saying, before everything, Know who you're bowing down to. Know who you bend the knee to. Know who you lift your voice to. Know who you cry out to. It's the Elohim. It's Yahweh. And we come to Him through Christ, who has been given a name above all names. There is something in His name. You know, I've heard, there's a story that I heard when I was a child growing up of a friend of, a, of our family, and he was an electrician. And he was doing electrical work one day. And he, he happened to take hold of a pipe, and the pipe had an electric current going through it. A, a one of the cables had fallen onto the pipe, and the, the pipe became live. He didn't know this, and he took hold of the pipe. And as he was holding the pipe like that, he said his hand could not release it the current started to run through his body. And he says he could feel the life being drained from him. His, his hand was cleaving tight to this pipe with electricity going through it. And he said he just felt his knees going. He felt his, his heart slowing down and, and everything. And he said, and I remember him giving a testimony. And I was a child in, in the church looking up at him thinking, wow. And he said, all I could do was shout Jesus. And he said, as soon as I shouted Jesus, he said, my hand released and he said, I was it, and I began to breathe and live. I remember that to this day. Why? Because it's the power in the name. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's never forget that. Then I want to come on to the second point, and I'll just do a little bit of this, and I'm going to finish it all. And that's the snare. The snare. It says in my Bible, the trap, but it didn't have an S, so... I prefer the, uh, the New International Version, the snare, or the King James Version. Psalm 91 and verse 3. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. The fowler's snare. A snare is a, a device for trapping birds, mainly, or small animals. Um, I don't know if there's any hunters in here, but if you've made a snare, it's out of perhaps a piece of wire you know, with a loop, and you put the the loop through, and the animal will run through it, and as he runs through it, it tightens on the animal, and the more the animal will struggle, the tighter the snare gets, the tighter around it, it will entangle. Doesn't that remind you of something when the scripture says, the sin that so easily entangles us? You see, because the, the enemy of our souls, Satan is the enemy of our souls, and he sets traps. He sets snares for us. And we unwittingly sometimes walk into them. No, we don't walk into them. Sometimes we even run into them. And we get trapped in them. And it gets tighter and tighter on us. We cannot get out of them. David said this in another place. Psalm 25 and verse 14. He says, My eyes are ever on the Lord. For only He will release my feet from the snare. When we are in these traps, when we're caught in these snares, there's only one who can release us. It's the one who has the name above all names. Christ, our Lord. He will release us. You know, hunters set traps. That The Bible describes Satan as a prowling lion. Prowling, looking, looking for prey. Hunting, that, that's all he does. That's his job. He roams around the earth when he had to appear before God in, in Job. When all the angels appeared before God, Satan came amongst them, it says. And God says, What have you been up to? He says, Oh, I've been going around the earth to and fro here and there. That's his job. That's what he does. Looking for prey. Set in traps, set in a snare to trap us. The thing is, he has to roam around the earth, and this is important. He has to roam around the earth because he is not omnipresent. (laughs) He is not omnipresent. He has to have his cohorts to to help him set these traps and these, these, uh, these entanglements that we get stuck into and the temptations that we fall to because he's not omnipresent. He's neither omnipotent, he doesn't know all things, and neither is he omniscient, all-powerful. You know, he is not the equal to God, he is not opposite to God, he is under our feet, the Bible says. He's a created being. Let's never try to put him on a pedestal and think he's equal with God, he's opposite with God. He is not. He's none of these things, but yet He has a certain amount of power, and He sets these traps and these snares. We are His prey. We are His prey. And I don't want to alarm you, but there is a trap being set for you even now. Even now. There's a trap being set for me even now. But we have to be aware of His schemes, the Bible says. We have to have to have knowledge of the way He operates. I have this image of him and his cohorts running around, roaming around, saying, oh, I've set another trap over here. This is a good one. As soon as he comes into work tomorrow, she goes into that place, into his car, there's going to be a trap for them. You'll never believe it's a great one. I thought of it all on my own, Satan. Oh, well done, young man. You know, you'll go far. I don't know how they work. Maybe they do. I don't know. But what we need to do is be aware of the traps. Be aware of the schemes. Know what they look like. There are certain traps. If you're a hunter, there are certain types of traps for different types of prey. The trap that he sets for you might not be the same trap that he would set for me. The sin that so easily entangles you might not be the same sin that so easily entangles me. And I I remember doing a a Bible study um, with our, our Iranian friends. I think it was last year. and I was talking about this. And I said, if I went into a shop and the till was open, and and in the till there was a wad of 10 pound oats, it's no good the enemy trying to set a trap for me by tempting me to take that money. That's not my nature. That's not what I do. That that is a million miles from me. I would look at it, and the first thing I would do is alert the, the shopkeeper. Excuse me. Your till's open, and there's a a million pound hanging out of it. You know? I don't think I have that much in the till, mind, but exaggeration for effect. (laughs) But that's not in my nature, so it's no good setting a trap for me for that. It's like the enemy would say, well, it's no good setting that trap for him. That's that's the wrong bait. There's a different bait for him, and I know where it is. It's over here. For someone else, that might be the bait. So there's different bait. There's different sort of... um, Traps for different people. Your trap is being set up right now. But you need to n- understand what the trap is, what the snare is. The fowler, mentioned here, the fowler snare, was a professional bird catcher. That was his job. He would go around professionally catching the birds, and quite legitimately, um, they would be for sacrifices in the temple, they would be to eat, they would be sometimes for pets, maybe. But what he would do very often is is use a, a bird that he had caught and put it in a cage and get that bird to cry out to attract the other birds. You know, and sometimes the enemy does that. He uses us against ourselves. He uses our friends against us. He puts others in the place where they say, hey, it's all right. Come on. Come and join me it's great great in here in this trap Woo-hoo. and we and we're curious aren't we just like the birds are curious Ooh, wonder what that noise is let's go and have a look one of his methods was was luring 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 lument get it right listen to this what paul said to the galatian church galatians 6 and verse 1 dear brothers and sisters If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. But be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Be very careful. Because the the ones who you think you're helping, the ones who you think you're getting beside, got to be careful that you don't fall into that trap yourself. You don't get caught in that sin yourself. You don't get tempted with that yourself. It means that we need to be prayed up to date. It means that we need to get closer to God. Because when we're closer to God, the discernment kicks in. It's discerning. And sometimes you'll walk, and you're walking into that trap, and something will say to you, this don't feel right. This isn't right. What's that? Because discernment isn't discernment of evil spirits. It's discernment of God. And sometimes God is saying, God's Holy Spirit is saying to you, don't go there. Stay away. Go another way. Don't fall into that trap. Listen to the Holy Spirit speaking inside you. Who are you doing ti- who you do in your life with? Who are you spending time with? Because the enemy, why does he do it? And this is this is the things I was looking at while I was putting us together. Why doesn't he just get fed up? You just get fed up of setting all these traps and trying to entice people. And, you know, I just get cheesed off at the end of the day. Well, why does he he does it for a reason? Because he does it, because he knows when, when he trapped you in sin, he knows that sin keeps us away from God. Sin separates. Just like I said at the beginning of this service, you know, this virus we talked about, it separates, it, it breaks people away from each other, and sin separates. As from God. And it has done from the very beginning. So if the enemy can separate us from God with sin and trapping us in sin, he knows that he's winning the battle. That's his sole purpose is to keep us away from God. And I've said it on so many occasions, he doesn't give a monkeys about you. He just doesn't want God to have you. 1 John 3 and verse 8 says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. But when he says the one who is sinful is of the devil, that means a continual lifestyle of sinning. It doesn't mean the slip up. Because we do slip up. We do. We don't live a perfect life right now. We are works in progress. But Jesus Christ came... To destroy the works of the devil. So he will destroy these traps. He will destroy them. He will keep you from them. He wants to protect you. In fact, it goes on in those in that chapter. And verse 6 says that no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. So it's not a continual sinning. If you live in him, you don't keep on sinning. You want to try and live a better life. You want to try and live a life that's not being caught in these traps and snares of temptation. But some do get caught. We get caught. We all get caught now and again. Sometimes we get trapped in the snare. The temptation. So what do we do? How could we get out of it? John has the answer. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 1 and 2. And says this my dear children i am writing this to you so that you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate who pleads our case with the father he is jesus christ the one who is truly righteous he himself is the sacrifice that tones for our sins and not only our sins but the sins of the world He is the atoning sacrifice. Remember, going right back to the beginning and when I started speaking, the day of atonement, the high priest would take the blood of the sacrifice and go before God. Now Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, takes his own blood and atones for us before God. We don't need a man to do this anymore. Christ does it for us. So that when we do slip up, when we do sin, we have someone who is there pleading our case for us. And when we repent and we come before him and confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So there is still hope. Even while these traps are all around us. Strategies. And I'm going to come on to that, I think, next week. I can't go into it now. We haven't got enough time. But the enemy has strategies. If he has strategies, we need to have strategies. I'll come into a bit more on that next week. But Jesus Christ is our hope. The ultimate good news is this. We know the gospel is the good news. The ultimate good news is there is hope. We have a way to get to God. And it's through Jesus Christ. We have an advocate. We have someone who pleads our case. His name is Jesus Christ. He can rescue us from the... The snare of the fowler from the hunter's traps. The only thing is, we have to ask him. We have to call on him. We have to ask him, Lord, save me from the fowler's snare. Romans 10 and verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. So, no matter if you're in a trap right now, in a snare right now, or if you have one to come, you can be saved from it. Why? Because of Christ. He is between us and God. That sounds like a little bird, doesn't it? It's not a little bird, is it? It's all right. It's fine. Love it. Love it. Yes, he's enjoying it, and just build it to my crescendo as well. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to go through this over the next week or two. I think this, um, the strong one. Who is the strong one? God Almighty. He is your God. He is my God. He is the Elohim. He is Yahweh. He is the mighty one. He's no false god. There's nothing false about him. He is the real one. Jesus Christ has been given a name. A name is the character. A name is is as powerful as the person. God himself. And the snare. Don't, Don't worry about the snare. Don't get trapped in the snare. Be aware of it. But there are ways of avoiding it. Because we have Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that next week. I want to pray right now. And then perhaps we'll just end on one worship song. But I want to pray for all of us right now. I don't know what position you're in. Whether you are in a position of fear or panic. Or whether you're just relaxed. Whether you don't know Jesus, whether you know him, I don't know. But we've got to know whose name it is we sing about. We need to know who it is we pray to it's the god above all gods the king of kings the lord of lords and we come to him through jesus christ that name to which every knee will bow you know if you are fearful with whatever is going on right now. There's that scripture in Timothy that says, we've not been given a, a spirit of fear, but of, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. And that bit at the end, people tend to forget of sound mind. Lord, give us a mind that is sound and not anxious or fearful. But Lord, I pray right now for those who are fearful, that Lord, you'll give them a sound mind. That Lord, they will they will know who their God is who they belong to, that they will have a soundness. If you, know, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity to know him right now. If you are fearful of the snares that are, that are being laid for you, the temptations, you don't know how to get out of them. Jesus Christ. We talk about Satan having a job. Christ has already accomplished his work, he said, it's finished. I've done it. Conquered death and hell and sin. Beaten him down, beating him back. He's won the victory. And that victory can be ours. can be yours right now. If you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life, I want to pray with you. And if you want to do that, I'm just looking around. No one else is. Just give me a little wave or a little hand signal or throw something up in the air just to let me know I want to pray with you. You can be released from the snare of sin by coming to Jesus. If you don't want to put your hand up, then that's fine. You come and see me afterwards. Thank you, Jesus. Whoever dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest.